0: This is Janet Mefford today. Our confidence is in Christ alone.
1: Are we going to stand with God, come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now here is Janet
0: Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us. And boy, what a weekend! This is turning out to be a really weird year. I guess we can say social distancing is over, at least if you're engaging in things other than full capacity church worship services. If you're looting, if you're going to the target and stripping everything off the shelves and leaving everything in shambles, and if you're setting police cars on fire and you're smashing people's heads in, it doesn't really matter how close you are because you can get away with it. If you're in a Democrat-led city, then it doesn't matter. Because you are all about justice. Is this really about justice, what is going on across our country? I was thinking a lot about some of the different passages of Scripture that really resonate with a different sort of feel Than normal. And I was thinking about Psalm 2, first and foremost. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The reason Psalm 2 came to mind is because this is one of the passages that really sets into reality what life is all about. The kings can do what they want. The world can do what it wants. You can have all sorts of insurrections and violent protests and rebellion. Ultimately, it's all rebellion against the Lord. But who sits in the heavens and laughs that scornful laugh and scoffs at them? The one who has all the power, the one who is the king of all the earth, the one who holds Everything in the palm of his hand, the one who has promised to us that he will return for his church and that he will judge the world in righteousness one day, that that day is assured. And that is something that I think is becoming very real to a lot of us. We are in unbelievably strange times, are we not? At least as Americans, we have been used to peace for so long. Yes, there have been upheavals from here to there, different cities. You can name different periods of time. The L.A. riots in 1992. You think of the upheaval that took place at the Democratic National Convention uh, back in the 60s. Some of those Kent State riots, things like that. But this is just... Bizarre. And I think it's throwing a lot of people for a loop, especially because it's coming right on the heels of all the pandemic madness. And I've got a lot of stuff to talk about regarding that because now we've had this ruling in California. This church, as we've been talking about, this South Bay United Pentecostal Church has lost its case at the U.S. Supreme Court. They were seeking this injunction over Gavin Newsom's order to limit their capacity to 25% or 100 people, whichever is lower. And they were trying to get this emergency injunction. We're going to talk about it more on tomorrow's show. But I was thinking about this. They they lost their bid to try to say, hey, wait a minute. The only thing that is setting us apart in terms of what Newsom's con- constraints on us are is religion. That's the only thing that's different. You don't have a hundred person limit in Costco or Walmart or Sam's Club. You have it in churches. Why is that OK? And Brett Kavanaugh wrote a great dissent. But I'm telling you, we're in weird times. So here we have what is going on across America, 19 cities at last count, all having Democratic mayors. Yes, it does matter. Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, New York, Houston, Memphis, Portland, San Jose, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Dallas, Columbus, Ohio, on and on and on. I I don't believe for a minute that all of these are spontaneous protests, but I want to back up a little. What this is all ostensibly about is... The killing, the death of George Floyd, this African-American man. And we've seen the video across the country. It's horrific. It's horrible to watch this. This police officer holding him down with his knee for some eight or nine minutes. And he says, I can't breathe. It's horrible to even watch it. It's horrible. And this is a matter of justice. No doubt about it. I don't know anybody who has seen that video and seen what this was all about and and concluded anything other than this is horrendous. And yes, this police officer has now been arrested and charged with third-degree murder, and he had a history of various and sundry offenses during his time as a police officer. So there's more of a potential systemic problem within the police department or within the enforcement of the rules that police officers are supposed to follow. So a lot of that has to come out. But but, but it's interesting because when you look at how everything just popped up and all of a sudden it was just chaos all across the country, That's not all organic, folks, and anybody who believes that it is merely organic is not paying attention. Now, President Trump was certainly paying attention to what was going on, and he has rightly condemned the death of George Floyd and expressed his condolences to the family, as I think every American does Nobody wants to see that regardless of color. Nobody wants to see somebody held down by a police officer in such an inhumane and unnecessary way. It's just it goes against everything that a human being wants to see in terms of someone being treated with respect, even if they are suspected of doing something that was against the law. And this is just involving a twenty dollar counterfeit bill that that happened over all of that. So it's terrible. So he did express his concerns, but he also expressed his concerns over Antifa, which is now going to be designated a terrorist organization. But I want you to listen to a little bit of what NBC reported. Listen to this report. This is cut one.
2: President Trump says that he believes many elected officials must get tougher on those agitators and those causing violence who he says are part of a radical left activism that seeks to cause chaos, not seeking justice for George Floyd. Back in Washington, the president is taking on a new adversary.
1: My administration will stop mob violence.
2: As American cities, including the blocks around the White House, erupt with anger over George Floyd's death in police custody, the president called out those steering protests to violence and destruction speaking after the rocket launch in Florida.
1: The memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by rioters, looters, and anarchists.
2: And Barr delivered a warning after both Minnesota's Democratic Governor Tim Walls and President Trump suggested some demonstrators in Minnesota were out-of-state antagonists, claims they did not back up with evidence.
1: It's Antifa, it's a lot of radical left bad people, and they've gotta be taught that you can't do this.
2: Barr said the Department of Justice is ready to prosecute rioters who traveled out of state to incite violence.
1: It is a federal crime to cross state lines or to use interstate facilities to incite or participate in violent rioting, and we will enforce those laws.
0: Well, this was the right move, and for those who have been pushing for the Trump administration to make such a designation for a long time are now very relieved that Antifa will be designated a terrorist organization, rightly so. How long have we seen Antifa terrorize various cities and, and cause destruction and violence and look at what's happened in Portland and some of these videos that are going around the Internet showing what is happening in all sorts of locations across the country. We can't have this. We can't have anarchy or as some people have designated this an insurrection. This is about revolution. This is not about George Floyd. When you see somebody running down the road with a cheesecake because they have just invaded the cheesecake factory you really think the guy with the cheesecake cares about George Floyd? I understand that people are upset and there certainly are probably people who are organically upset and they really do live in those cities. But obviously there is more going on than just these spontaneous protests and they certainly are not anything that we should take lightly. We're going to come back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. We'll return right after this. When I found out I was pregnant, I was devastated. I had no idea what to do. When a young mom faces an unplanned pregnancy, she's confused and scared. Society tells her that a baby is not a life and offers termination as the best solution. Preborn centers shine light into the darkness by offering young moms in crisis hope, love, and life and an ultrasound to meet their preborn baby.
3: As soon as I get there, I felt welcome. They gave me the first look at my baby by providing a free ultrasound.
0: Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Will you join Preborn in helping love and support young moms in crisis? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help save five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are taxed 855-402-2229, Deductible 402 2229 or there's a pre-born banner to click at Janetmeffer.com. Are you in need of a healthcare program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $199 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a non-profit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561. Or visit Liberty healthshareorg jmt that's libertyhealthshare.org jmt
1: you're listening to janet mefford today and now here's your host janet mefford
0: i don't know how you can look at what is going on across the country and conclude anything else as a christian but that god is judging us either it is some sort of an abandonment which i think you can consider when you look at romans chapter one Or it is a judgment that is active. It's very difficult to speak definitively on what the Lord is doing specifically with this situation or that situation. But I don't know how any Christian could look at our country and say, oh, God is pleased with us. He's pleased with us. There are all sorts of things going on in our nation that are absolutely reprehensible. Um, Not just the violence, the looting, the destruction, the anarchy, the spirit of revolution, the spirit of rebellion, smashing people's heads in. The man in Dallas, for example, who was trying to guard his store with a sword and he was beaten to a pulp. He looked like he was dead if you watch that video. And there's so many other videos. And after a while, it's you don't even want to see it. There's it's more than the soul can take in some regard. And it's all across the nation. What is going on on the heels of this pandemic that people are questioning? They're shutting down churches and they're saying that churches can't worship at full capacity. Has there ever been a time in our nation's history, short of during the situation during the world wars, perhaps, where we more needed the churches to be opened? We need the churches to be opened. Now, going back to this issue of Antifa, NBC, as you heard just there a couple of minutes ago, was questioning this whole idea that there were radical leftists involved in all of this mob violence taking place across the United States. But in fact, Jim Hansen writes over at Fox News about this. uh, And I think this is a really important thing, And Antifa has hijacked protests of George Floyd's death and turned them into riots. He's the president of a security studies group served in the U.S. Army Special Forces. But he says President Trump was right when he placed blame for the riots tearing apart cities around the country on Antifa and other radical left-wing groups and he should now go one step further and declare them a domestic terrorist organization that subsequently occurred yesterday. The rioting this past week was ostensibly sparked by the death of George Floyd, this 46-year-old black man who was a Arrested by Minneapolis police for allegedly trying to use a counterfeit $20 bill to buy cigarettes. There's no question that his death was horrific and should never have happened. But in fact, many of the rioters affiliated with Antifa simply and cynically have used Floyd's tragic death as an excuse to spread mayhem and destruction. And as we know, as we mentioned before, Derek Chauvin, the police officer who knelt on Floyd's neck, was charged on Friday with third degree murder and manslaughter. And he and any other officers who go on trial for Floyd's death should be punished to the full extent of the law. Now, this is an important point as well. If it really is about justice, then justice is happening, isn't it? The police officer was arrested. He was charged with murder. The three other officers are under investigation. Isn't that what you want? Well, they want a change in the system. Everybody wants a change. If you have a police officer who's doing that to somebody, everybody he comes up against is potentially at risk. Of course, we want this guy dealt with, but he's being dealt with, isn't he? Now, we're not at a point of conviction or exoneration, and that may bring further action. Who knows? But... Again, stealing cheesecakes and breaking into Rodeo Drive boutiques and, and boutiques on Oak Street in Chicago and stealing things and looting the target and setting police cars on fire. What does that have to do with justice? That's not justice. That's lawlessness. And we all know that. But it's very interesting how those on the left are trying to say, oh, no, 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 it's white supremacists on the right. Well, first of all, when you look at the history of the Ku Klux Klan, those people were not conservatives, folks. Those people were Democrats. And you got to remember the history in this country of who was on which side during various and sundry aspects of American history. So I want to go to this particular cut because I think this is important as well. Jake Tapper over on CNN State of the Union interviewed Robert O'Brien, the White House National Security Advisor, who said some very interesting things pertaining to what is going on among law enforcement officers. Listen to cut two.
3: I want to ask you about the police because George Floyd is hardly the only unarmed black American killed recently by police. Do you think systemic racism is a problem in law enforcement agencies in the United States? No, I, I don't think there's systemic racism. I think 99.9% of our law enforcement officers are great Americans, and and many of them are African American, Hispanic, Asian. They're working in the toughest neighborhoods. They've got the hardest jobs to do in this country, and I think they're amazing, great Americans, and they're my heroes. Uh, but you know what? There there are some bad apples in there, and there you know I'm, there are some some bad cops that are racist, and and there are cops that are you know maybe don't have the right training. There's some that are just just bad cops, and uh, and they need to be rooted out because there's a, a few bad apples that are giving law enforcement a, a terrible name, and uh, and there, there's no doubt that there's some racist racist police. I think they're the minority. I think they're the few bad apples, and uh, and we need to root them out. But I'll tell you, I, I'm just so proud of the way our law enforcement professionals are are protecting us and, and handling the situation with mm-hmm. uh, with restraint, uh, and and, uh, and we we love our law enforcement, but. You know, we do have to get rid of those that are like, like, the, like the dirty cop that, uh, that killed uh, uh, George Floyd. I mean, we need to get rid of those people. By the way, where yeah. were the local I- prosecutors and where was the police commissioner? That guy, apparently, I'm told he had a long record of this sort of conduct. Uh, it's, and, a why, why, why it's a good, he, it's a why good question. Why was he still on the but- force?
0: Well, that's exactly right. We had mentioned this before. This Derek Chauvin, who was, he said there he he killed him, but he's actually been charged. He hasn't been convicted. But this police officer who was seen kneeling on George Floyd's neck uh, actually was a 19-year department veteran who was the subject of at least a dozen police conduct complaints that resulted in no disciplinary action and only one that led to a letter of reprimand. This is via NBC News. So, yes, there are bad apples in police departments. Could we not also argue that there are bad apples everywhere? There are. And you root them out and you make sure that if they do something like this, they see justice. Everybody wants that. This is important. Now, what happens when Tapper tries to tie the riots to right wingers? Listen to this interaction with O'Brien. This is cut three.
3: Okay, and what can you tell us about any of the far right groups that might be trying to use this uh, as a a predicate to to prompt a, a race war as Vice News uh, reported uh, that they they are also part of some of the unrest, some of the violence we're seeing, and then of course Senator Rubio saying uh, that foreign adversaries uh, through social media are trying to stoke violence as well. Well, I, I have not seen those reports, uh, and I haven't read. I, I generally don't read Vice, uh, so I haven't seen the reports on far right groups. This is being driven by Antifa, uh, and they did it in Seattle, they've done it in Portland, they've done it in Berkeley. Uh, this is a destructive force of of radical. I don't even know if you want to call them leftists, whatever they are. They're they're, they're militants who are are coming in and burning our cities, and we're going to get to the bottom of it.
0: Well, this is important. And there was somebody else, former NYPD Lieutenant Darren Porcher was on Fox as well, warning about paid demonstrators infiltrating these riots and these protests going on across the country. This is interesting. When he was asked, how do you deal with a situation like this? This is what he had to say. This is Cut Six
1: well as a former nypd lieutenant i refer back to me being a practitioner in new york city and in many instances we had what we referred to as paid agitators these were people who are paid by specific groups to come in and quote unquote raise a level of anarchy Throwing things, um, just creating somewhat of a miscreant society as a result of, I want to use the term riot. I don't want to use the term protest because this is riotous behavior. So, we as a police department, believe it or not, we knew who a lot of these people were because you would see them one week at one demonstration. Then a week later, you would see the same demonstrator or agitator protesting all over again. They knew nothing nor cared anything about what the actual event was evolved around. So it's just one of these things where the police department is going to have to utilize their intelligence.
0: Well, right. So there you have some of these law enforcement individuals and people in the know, experts in in the political realm who are saying this is Antifa. And you have some of these agitators who show up at various and sundry protests and riots who just love rioting. They love being part of a protest. And I think about this because back when I was doing pro-life activism years and years ago, when I had time to do it more than I do now, there were certain people who would always show up to protest against the pro-lifers. And some of them, I remember, were gay activists. And I would scratch my head and say, why would you guys care about abortion? <laughs> You'd have these men there. I'm like, well, you're not going to have a baby. So I don't really understand why this matters to you. And then somebody pointed out to me what their real objection is, is any sort of perceived threat against, quote unquote, sexual freedom. It's all about sexual freedom. And I thought, okay, well, that kind of intersects. But the reality is you do have people who just like to agitate. And there are some of those. Now, we don't necessarily know every single person who is involved in all of these incidents across the United States, but we know enough to know about George Soros. We know enough to know about Antifa. We know enough to know about Black Lives Matter. We know the agitation, the attempts to incite a race war. And this went back to the Obama administration starting in Ferguson. Nobody wants this. No freedom-loving, peace-loving American wants this. But there are people in this nation who want it. And they want it for their own purposes. Do you remember this story? I'm going to get into this a little bit more because this really affects us more directly as Christians when we see what is going on among what we like to call Big Eva, the big evangelical leaders who who are more concerned about... Uh, going after Christians right now than going after Antifa. But the Washington Times had reported this story a couple of years ago. You might remember the American Association of Evangelicals put out a video revealing how George Soros, through his many funding ventures, had been busily infiltrating the Christian base in America to divide and ultimately to conquer the religiously minded within the Republican Party. And they mentioned, for example, Jim Wallace, the Marxist former spiritual advisor to Barack Obama, who heads up Sojourners and he was taking money from Soros and he denied that he was taking money from Soros but then Marvin Olasky at World Magazine proved that he was taking money from Soros and then he had to kind of walk it back and admit it. But we also know that Soros funding has fueled the evangelical immigration table through another organization that funded radio ads for this group. So to what extent do we see some of the narrative coming out of evangelical circles influenced by political connection? That we don't fully know. We don't fully know. There are people out there who will make bold claims about George Soros is funding this ministry or this organization without actual proof. I don't want to do that, but I do want to get into some of the crazy stuff that is coming out from some of these circles. We're going to come back right after this. You're listening to Janet Meffer today.
1: you're listening to janet mefford today and now here's your host janet mefford
0: welcome back well i started out the show referring to psalm 2 Psalm 2 talking about why the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain and how the Lord scoffs at them. The one enthroned in heaven laughs because the Lord has all the power. The Lord is the one in charge. The, The Lord controls all things. And so anybody who believes that he can shake his fist at almighty God and get away with it ultimately is a fool. Why wouldn't there be scornful laughter leveled at people like that? And and that is applicable to what we're seeing going on across the country. But there's a deeper problem, a way deeper problem in this country because there are so many things that are coming together that really, in my opinion, show that we really are under judgment. We really are under God's judgment. I have been a little bit shocked, in fact, to see how few people I would have expected, Christians and Christian leaders, People I would have expected to come out and boldly say, we need to repent. As a nation, we are under God's judgment. We are under his wrath. We are rebelling against him. We have sinned against him in horrific ways, not just individually, but as a nation. And we must come before him on our knees, weeping and begging for his forgiveness. And we know that he will give forgiveness to those who are repentant. He continually tells us that in his word. I'm not seeing a lot of this talk. You know what I'm seeing a lot of in, in evangelical circles from some of these big evil leaders? they're lecturing Christians about what racists they are, specifically white evangelicals. This has been going on for quite a while, obviously, from the contingency at the you know Southern Baptist Convention, for example, which has increasingly embraced the ideas of critical race theory and intersectionality and in some of these popular leftist causes. But here's the SBC statement. Southern Baptist leaders issued a joint statement on the death of George Floyd. This was on Saturday, and I want to read this to you because Everybody in the SBC leadership signed this. It was co-authored by SBC president, J.D. Greer, the Southern Baptist Convention president, and Jamie Dew, the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary president. It was unanimously signed by all SBC officers, entity heads, and state convention executive directors. So listen to this and listen to what is not in it. Because as of Saturday, when this came out, there was already mayhem going on across the country. Uh, particularly beginning in Minneapolis, but then spreading very quickly to other cities. Here's what they say in their statement on the death of George Floyd. As a convention of churches committed to the equality and dignity of all people, Southern Baptists grieve the death of George Floyd, who was killed May 25th. While all must grieve, we understand that in the hearts of our fellow citizens of color, incidents like these connect to a long history of unequal justice in our country, going back to the grievous Jim Crow and slavery eras. The images and information we have available to us in this case are horrific and remind us that there is much more work to be done to ensure that there is not even a hint of racial inequity in the distribution of justice in our country. We grieve to see examples of the misuse of force and call for these issues to be addressed with speed and justice. While we thank God for our law enforcement officers that bravely risk their lives for the sake of others and uphold justice with dignity and integrity, we also lament when some law enforcement officers misuse their authority and bring unnecessary harm on the people people they are called to protect. We further grieve with our minority brothers and sisters in the wake of George Floyd's death, pray for his family and friends, and greatly desire to see the misuse of force and any inequitable distributions of justice come to an end. Now, let me pause for a moment because a point that was raised on social media quite a bit over the weekend was this one. How do we know that there was any racist motivation in the heart of the police officer and the other officers that were there. There's a lot we don't know. Now, you can say, don't be that that simplistic because people feel this way. Black Americans who have seen a number of cases go a certain way and they've seen injustices, they're mad about it because they see it as a continuing pattern. Yeah, but just stop and be factual for a moment. We don't know for sure that the reason that Derek Chauvin held George Floyd's neck down was something that had anything to do with his race. We don't know. We don't know. So it's kind of jumping the gun to be discussing that. Many other people were talking about that. Then they cite the Old and New Testaments. It's justice, human dignity, the usual stuff. Throughout the law, the prophets, the gospels, and the entire canon of scripture, murder is condemned, and God's people are called to protect the vulnerable. The Bible further condemns injustice and the misuse of authority and force. And in the example of Jesus Christ, God's people are called to love others, care for their needs, grieve with them in brokenness, well-being of our neighbor, etc., etc. So as a matter of Christianity, Christian obedience and devotion, followers of Jesus Christ cannot remain silent when our brothers and sisters, friends and or people we seek to win for Christ are mistreated, abused or killed unnecessarily. Now, wait a minute. Something else I want to point out when they're talking about the, you know, people who minority brothers and sisters who are upset about George Floyd's death. I would just like to say, and I I don't think this really needs to be said in a way that would surprise anybody, but a lot of people are upset about George Floyd's death. A lot of white people. I haven't met any white person or seen any white person out there who hasn't been equally horrified by the way this man was treated. We're all on the same page on that. But what's missing in this statement is any sort of comment on the rioting, on the insurrection, On the looting, on the destruction of businesses that no doubt were already hurting because of the pandemic shutdown that's been going on for the last several months. What about the fires that have been set and the people who have had their heads smashed in and the guy in Portland who was slugged for having an American flag? No comment on that. Because I'm telling you, you should comment on both and there is a both and because justice applies in both situations. There should be justice for George Floyd and there should be justice for those business owners and those cops and those innocent people in the streets who were attacked or looted or had their possessions taken from them or had their cars burned or turned over or what have you. That's a matter of justice, too, isn't it? Or is this just virtue signaling? Because it's not helping. We have a message as Christians in which we can bring people together through Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, there was a wonderful prayer. This isn't the best quality audio, but I want to play this for you because I want you to hear this. This was posted on social media. This was a protest in Minneapolis. It didn't make the news cycle. It wasn't really viral in any way. But this was a gathering of people in Minneapolis who were just praying together. And it was white people. It was black people, I believe. The man who was doing the praying was a black gentleman and just had the most wonderful prayer. Listen to this, cut five.
2: I ask
1: for your forgiveness for any of our sins that we may have committed that you would allow us to tap into you into who you are, and that we would walk like you, and we would talk like you, and that we would love like you. We bless your name. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for taking Brother Floyd to heaven with you. It's better than being here. We all got to pass through that one day. So God help us. Help us to keep peace in this city. Help us to to keep peace in this country and all over the world. We ask that you would remove this coronavirus so that we can return to our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. God help us to keep peace in this city and this country. That's what we should be praying for. And I was so appreciative of the way that that gentleman prayed. I'll tell you something else. The Conservative Baptist Network, which is kind of the alternative group that has emerged within the confines of the Southern Baptist Convention to bring the convention back to its sanity based on scripture. But they had a wonderful statement regarding George Floyd and the ensuing riots because they mentioned both and they condemned the death of George Floyd and also the rioting in Minneapolis and elsewhere. They said every human being is made in the image of God and attack on any person, whether intentional or merely reckless, is an affront to a holy God, and the people of God must stand for innocent life at all times and in all situations. Police brutality is always wrong, but rioting is not protest. Rioting is not protected by the First Amendment. Rioters are not sympathetic figures. They are engaging in a form of domestic terrorism and should be dealt with accordingly. Absolutely right. Civil society cannot long endure such acts, both of which are directed at innocence, both police brutality and mass violence, and both of which should be deplored by all people of goodwill. And they called on Christians and churches to pray for the peace and justice we seek for Americans of all colors. And I said, Conservative Baptist Network, you should be running the Southern Baptist Convention, because that's the statement that all Christians and indeed the world needed to hear. We're going to come back on Janet Meffer today after this. Hi, this is Kirk Cameron, and I am honored to be partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help moms choose life. Actor Kirk Cameron supports Preborn.
3: My four oldest children were adopted that is because of caring and compassionate people who help those young mothers choose life my wife is an adopted child and her birth mother chose life for her if it weren't for those caring individuals that help those young moms value the sacredness of life I wouldn't have my wife I wouldn't have my four adopted children and the two natural born children that we have wouldn't exist either my whole family is here because of people that are involved With ministries like Preborn.
0: Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Mefford today to support the ministry of preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. A gift of $22 will provide one ultrasound, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855 855- 402 Baby. That's 855 402 2229, or there's a banner to click at janetmefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's eight five five four zero two 402 baby 855 402 or there's a banner to click at JanetMetford.com.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford.
0: Well, I do pray for this country. I hope that you are praying for our country. We are really in uncharted waters in many ways, and I think about everything that our country is guilty of. We have been given so much So much more than any other nation in the history of the world, the freedoms that we have enjoyed, the ability that we have enjoyed through those freedoms to prosper as a nation and to be such a force for good over the centuries. You know, you think about all the things that were done during World War Two and liberating these you know, Hitler, the concentration camps and, and all the rest and Normandy. And I'm just thinking of that particular period of history, but there's so many other things that we could point to where America has been such a force for good. And America has been a source for good in so many ways because I believe that at, at root, when we were a nation that honored the Lord, we really were in the right place. And it doesn't mean that every single person in American history was a Christian. We know that, but we were a more Christian nation years and years ago than we are today. And now we have all sorts of moral rot. I mean, do I even need to outline it? We talk about it all of the time. The moral sewage that is just flowing like a river through this country all the time and the breakdown of the family and the immorality and the the sexual debauchery and what we were talking about last week, for example, the sex ed curriculum that is being foisted on our kids and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And you think at some point, how long does the Lord put up with us? But here's a point that I think is is very significant. When we think of what the Lord has to say in the book of Hebrews, what comes to mind for me is this section where it says that we should have both a warning here and an encouragement that we should make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then it says that we really need to be very, very cognizant of the idea here that we can't refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, when we talk about coming to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, why do I go to that particular passage? Because I believe that judgment begins with the household of God. That is what the Bible says. And when I'm looking across what is going on in, in many churches across this nation, I don't think you can conclude anything other than the fact that the church is weak that the church is very morally compromised, that there is a great deal of corruption. There is not reverence and awe, I would say, in way too many churches for a holy God. It's playtime. It's entertainment time. You have people who have fallen in the ministry in unbelievably scandalous ways, and they lay low for a couple of months, and then they come back and open up their churches All of this is an offense to a holy God. And we have divorce rates in the church that are equal to the world. And we have abortion rates in the church that are equal to the world. How in the world are we to escape the chastening of God? And I wonder when I look across what is happening in our country, how much of this is really directed at the church to wake us up. And where are those men of God who are our Christian leaders and our most prominent pastors saying these things to us? We know this. When we read God's word, we know what God says about returning to me and repent. And even Jesus's warnings to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. What does he say? You've lost your first love. You've lost in Laodicea. You know, you're lukewarm. Would that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And yes, he has some commendations for other churches, but he warns the church, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't tolerate the woman Jezebel. Don't tolerate these false prophets who will lead you down a primrose path of immorality. Don't tolerate it. And we are so guilty as a people, as the people of God who ought to be the most intense about pursuing holiness and pursuing godliness and pursuing faithfulness according to the word of God to honor him. And we fail, I fail, but then we come back and we repent and we say, Lord, please, please forgive me and let me live a life that is consistent with the, the profession of faith that I have in the Lord Jesus. Please, Lord, restore your church. Revive us again in the midst of the years. And I thought about David Wilkerson's old book. I don't know if you ever read this, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. I read this years ago. The first time I read it, I almost had a heart attack. It was, I mean, it was really this blast of the trumpet. I mean, it was very, very accurate when you talk about that verse applying it to David Wilkerson because he was talking about the destruction of America, and he was saying the church is guilty, and we have adultery and fornication and divorce and idolatry and the music of devils in God's house, and a lot of people made fun of this book. They made fun of it. Well, this guy's a downer. You don't want to invite him to a party. But I went to this section here. I dug out the book, and there's a section here on America being the modern Babylon. And this is what David Wilkerson said. He said, I believe modern Babylon is present day America, including its corrupt society and its whorish church system. No other nation on earth fits the description in Revelation 18, but America, the world's biggest fornicator with the merchants of all nations. Ancient Babylon was long destroyed when John received his vision, but John saw fiery destruction coming in one hour. And just as Israel was called the city of God, America is referred to as Babylon. This is his interpretation. That mighty city, it is a people, a land, and in one hour it is going to be wiped out and consumed by fire. Judgment will fall upon the major cities, the towns, with fire consuming what was once a prosperous, thriving, safe and tranquil land. The great eagle with great wings is about to fall from its lofty position on the highest branch of all nations. The vine that was planted in a land of traffic and a city of merchants by great waters is about to die. It was planted in a good soil by great waters that it might bring forth branches and that it might bear fruit, that it might be a goodly vine. Ezekiel 17, eight. And he also quotes from Ezekiel 17, but he says, oh, what horrible and swift judgments are just ahead, very imminent upon this nation that has cast aside holiness and repentance. I hear the prophets crying out from Ezekiel 19. She was plucked up in fury. She was cast down to the ground and the East wind dried up her fruit. Her strong rods were broken and withered. The fire consumed them. And he says, it is a day of vengeance and judgment against sin. It is a day of vengeance and judgment against sin. The Lord has promised to judge his people who hath done despite to the grace of God. For we know him that hath said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, from Hebrews 10. Now, he's speaking about the final judgment and whether or not America is... Babylon is referenced in Revelation 18 as a matter of interpretation, seriously, but we do know that God's hand of judgment is here. I think it's getting harder and harder to make a case that we're all fine and everything's good. We're not all fine and not everything is good, but for the Christian, it's a very short turn, isn't it? It's a very short turn to go back to where we need to be because we are already in Christ. We may have backslidden we may have become complacent. We may have lost our first love. We may have become lukewarm. But the Lord calls us to return unto him. Why don't we return to him? Why don't we cast off all this culturally relevant, liberal, c- critical race theory, intersectionality, social justice warrior, pro-gay stuff, all this Garbage from the world that we have inculcated and tried to baptize with the Word of God, when in fact the Word of God is what is to set the standard. We get our truth from the Word of God. We don't take worldly ideas and try to justify them with passages like Matthew 25. Enough is enough. And if we really believe that the Bible is God's authority, that it is inerrant and it is inspired and it is infallible and it is in fact breathed out by the Holy Spirit, then we need to start acting like it. And then perhaps we may have the grounds for telling a sinful nation what it needs to do. But when we are weak, when we are complacent, when we are more concerned with money and fame and book deals and all of the other things that a lot of these leaders are concerned with, then we will not be prepared in an hour like this to have anything to say to the culture. Let us return to the Lord our God. Let us return in repentance. Oh, Lord, please forgive us as your people because we have been lukewarm and we have left our first love. And regardless of what you will do in the United States, we want to be absolutely right with you, Lord Jesus, because you have given your life for us, and it is incumbent upon us as your people to do nothing less than be willing to give our lives back to you, to walk on that narrow way, and to take up our cross daily and follow you as is required by a disciple of yours. And I pray that for the church every single day, and especially now, and I really hope that you will pray that prayer with me for revival in the church of Jesus Christ in America and for the salvation of those who live in this nation and don't yet know him. We've got to leave it there. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.